If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, back to school season. Back to school. Oh, man, I remember when I was like finishing university, I was just like, I am never, ever going back to school. (laughs) (laughs) And like finishing school, man, I hated reading. Like school made me hate reading. And I probably didn't read at all, you know, maybe outside the Bible for like, a year or two and then you know just the just the the learner in me i'm just draw you know i I enjoy reading and learning and you know now but when it was like required and you know this papers yeah and i got this reading list and you know everything was just so like it was it was just it it was it was forced upon me um i didn't want to do it yeah so today we're going to be talking about uh schooling but a particular stream of schooling that we don't talk about a lot that a lot of Canadians don't know much about. Uh, and it's called charter schools. So, but before we get into um, charter schools, let's set the context. So COVID back to school, uh, parents are a bit nervous, you know, teachers are nervous, teachers are nervous. People are scrambling. Parents aren't sure what to do. So real quick, what are the options parents have? Uh, primarily I would say, let's say Ontario. For no, the most, I just mean in general, like the criteria of schools. I mean, I would say for most it's send them to school, public school, and you pretty much have one option, whatever your local, you know, district is, wherever your, the boundaries are on your address, that's the school you're going to, uh, with some exceptions, you know, so you've got Catholic school, um, as well, but you need to, you know, be in good standing with your bishop or whatever to to qualify. So there's sort of a you know qualification there. So for the most part, I would say public school, homeschool, and if you're you know got some some padded pockets, you got private school. Private school, right? But then, so we know private school, homeschool, public school. Montessori would be private. Yep, Montessori would be a private. Uh, Christian school would be private. Christian school would be private. Catholic school is public because it's funded by um, taxpayers. Uh, Okay. And then now the other option is charter schools. So outside of Alberta, which we'll get into. Yeah. Canada doesn't really have. We don't have charter schools schools except for Alberta. Um, Alberta has 13. They're allowed to have 15. Uh, We are going to get into that. Uh, But so what we're going to talk about is a bill that just passed in Alberta that's in relation to public schools. And we'll have, we'll have some a lot of good links uh, in the in the show notes if if you know the listener wants to learn more about public or charter schools and all that stuff. Um, there, one of the links has this great sort of one liner uh, that I think summarizes what is a charter school or what are charter schools. It's sort of in the definition, but, but it says, in short, one may one might say that a charter school is expected to meet the same obligations as a public school, but has more autonomy in how it does so while receiving less public funding to cover the costs of the effort. Charter school advocates argue 
that charter schooling is not an alternative to public education, but an option for improving public education. Yes. Yes. Uh, so what we're seeing is that it's taxpayers' dollars being set aside for a particular school that caters to a particular demographic of people and learning styles. So in general, charter schools are free. And the only way you get into a charter school is if you win the lottery, not win the Powerball or Lotto 649, but you call in and you register your kid and other parents register their kids. And uh, yeah, there's there's a necessity to not show favoritism um, in a sense, right? So Because it's publicly funded. Yeah. So, you know, for the most part, does that mean there aren't backdoor sort of avenues? Of course. I mean, just like, yes, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with public schools, right? Like, I mean, not to go a bit of a sidebar, we said there's not really a choice with public schools, but hey, I use my grandparents' address to register my child, and guess what? They get to go to a different school. Yeah. And Thomas Sowell's book, his new book, Charter Schools and Their Enemies, uh, he talks about, I think it's a, a stat in New York where 17,000 parents apply for these these free schools, and the amount they get in is 3,000. 3,000 get in, 17,000 apply. Wow. Right. Because, well, there's a high demand for these schools because kids learn differently. And so when you open up a charter school that's catering to people, whether whether you have a high intellect or um, you are on the lower end of understanding, it, sometimes these schools cater to just girls. Sometimes they, they're just all boys schools. English is a second language. They have charter schools for that. They also have a charter school for people that uh, live in in rural areas, and they don't have other acts. They don't have access to other types of schools, so it caters to those kind of particular people groups or learning styles. So it it, it has its advantages because, as opposed to, I'll put it this way: public school caters to everybody, and I think that can be a problem, right? Because if you're catering to everybody, then the the the, the the pie is getting spread pretty thin. But if the school is created specifically for your child and people like your child, then the learning growth will be greater than everything being spread thin and, and teachers trying to touch every single kid as opposed to this curriculum is geared to all 25 of these students. Yeah, I mean, you know, in our uh, Teachers Like Us podcast, when we had a nice little debate, you know, when teachers were on strike pre-COVID, you know, one of the things that that I was saying along that road was, you know, there's an aspect where public school tries to make it the same experience for every student, but every student isn't the same. So they have access to the same experience, but arguably they don't need access to the same experience because if the goal, I would argue, is the goal to teach them or to give them the same experience. Well, Yes. Yeah. But on the flip side, Joel, uh, it's also the opposite that they're trying to give every kid an individual experience and now you're spreading the resources then. Yeah. And so where I would say like, you know, take just special needs as a category, would it be more efficient to teach special needs children in Mississauga all at the same location? Right. But because of the public school system, what we do is we allow them to go to their local school like every other kid in their neighborhood. And and again, I'm not necessarily saying good or bad. I'm saying is putting them into a public school where there's only one or two other people that have the same sort of scenario as them. They end up in the same class and now they're taught in a you know a unique manner. But my point is, would they learn 
better? Would they grow more? Would they they learn more if if the environment was tailored to them? And the question is also from a system wide: Would it be more cost effective? Now, obviously, you're going to hinder um, some of the relational stuff that they get. But again, this is where I go back. That's why I said, what's the objective? Is the objective the experience or to build them up and to educate them? So, yeah, we've got a, a pretty good clip uh, from from Alberta's school. Um, definitely, it'll be in the show notes page. We'll, we'll definitely hash out some of the, the lines in it. We're going to play the clip. Premier Jason Kenney says right now more than 90% of students go to public school, but there are thousands on a charter school wait list. That's exactly why uh, we hope to see a growing number of charter schools to respond to the demand that exists in the public system. Thursday, the Choice in Education Act was introduced. It would allow charter schools to apply directly to the province. Right now, they must go through a school board. The Premier says Bill 15 would help pave the way for more vocational high schools like Innate Collegiate. Most people uh, are choosing a public school for their children. And what this minister is doing is uh, really uh, trying to, to question that choice that parents are making by continually uh, attacking the funding that they rely on. The Edmonton Public School Board is also concerned about competing for public dollars. The board chair says the division already offers a lot of choice and any child can attend. The big difference, obviously, between charters and, and uh, public education is that we accept everyone. And so at Edmonton Public, we're firm believers that if you receive public dollars, you need to be publicly accessible to every child in this province. And that's not the case with charter schools. The NDP is also concerned homeschool oversight would be eliminated with this legislation. The Alberta Teachers Association echoing those worries. In a statement, President Jason Schilling said unsupervised home education should be a concern to all Albertans. A child's right to a quality education must not be sacrificed in the name of parental choice. If the bill is passed, it would come into effect on September 1st. Sarah Comedina, Global News. So, Joel, what stood out to you from that clip? Um, so the the first woman who said it's attacking the public school system. For me, you know, my thought would be you've got a thousand people on a wait list for charter schools. Is that attacking the school system or is that sort of demonstrating that whatever school they're already in is failing their student and, and the parent is looking for an alternative? Well, hold on, Joel. Yeah, to add to your point, because they mentioned competing, like so the uh, charter school and the public school are competing for public dollars. Yeah, and uh, that's where I thought it was, you know, if I want to flip that around, is are, are we judging the, the the school based on how much it costs? Well, if, if a school lost the students to a charter school, well, then they would have less students to spend on as well. So to some extent, we're reallocating resources, but the recipient of the resources is not the school. It's the student. So, you know, you you could argue, well, is this going to lead to maybe a, a public school in the system closing? Well, maybe. But the point is you have a thousand students who are on a wait list in Alberta to get into the charter school for whatever reason. I think it's pretty obvious the reason is because the parents need an alternative. Do I know why they need an alternative? No. But um, I think it's, you know, there's, this is where, you know, the entire, you know, I'll say the entire system with regards to education is, I mean, for the most part, you know, even the woman at the end who said, uh, charter public schools 
include are inclusive because they should include everybody. But that's not true. You don't get to pick which public school you go to unless you're going to get up and move. Generally speaking, the charter school is going to get less money, right? Like this is where Corey DeAngelis does an amazing job on. And I'll, I'll just use some uh, abstract numbers or numbers that work in the States because they make the point really well. Normally, what would happen is in the States, they'd have $15,000 for that student allocated to the pipe to the to the particular public school. If that kid left, the public school keeps 6K and only 9K goes to the charter school. So you basically got paid 6K to do nothing for that kid. Now, I don't know the specifics of Alberta, how the funding works perfectly, but you know that demonstrates that it's not as simple as you know sometimes things like this makes it portray because they're grandstanding more than anything, right? They're it's they're 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 lobbying, they're po- they're doing politics. It's all about you know your your opinion. It's not about objectively presenting the information to you, so you as a parent can make an informed decision about what's the system that's the best. Yeah, for educating uh, that's a your good child. point you made. Uh, yeah, I follow Corey as well on Twitter, and if you're not, you need to follow him. <laughs> yeah oh he's i mean I, I wish i could pull up some of his you know content but he just tweets so much uh, especially on, on this issue and so he he had a tweet uh donald trump and trump was talking about of course in light of COVID, and and trump was saying okay well if the kids aren't going back to school then we're not giving you the money saying to the teachers we're not going to give you the money we will we'll take the money and we'll give it to the parents and we'll let the parents have a school choice of where they want to send their school because yeah, the public school could drag their feet on the issue, but if there's private schools, you know, willing to, you know, get back to regular hours and function and parents are okay with that, then we're going to take their tax dollars, give it to the parents and the parents will use it to, to pick the school uh, system that they want to be in, uh, which I, I totally agree yeah, I with. I think, well, the sediment to me, the sediment underlining that is, you know, we can get into a conversation about tax in general and, and everyone should know where I stand on that. But is the goal of education dollars to educate the children? If it is, and parents have found a solution that, in, especially in the current environment, that that gives them the ability to do that, why wouldn't the money fund follow them? Well, Those well, who, well hold on. Uh, I have an answer to that. Jason Schilling. Actually, Jay, yeah, Jason the, Schilling the quote, has, Yeah, yeah. I know well, the very can last you, one. Can, we can you pull up the quote? The end. Can you pull up the quote? <laughs> yeah, here. I, I think I got it in an article here. Uh, yes. Uh, again, uh, we'll have lots of content. So, uh, this is so who, who, who's Jason Schilling? Um, uh, Teachers Union president, was, I think. It's an ATA. Alberta Teachers association something um i think i don't know if did it say he was the president or i don't know uh, yeah i said he was yeah, the president, president of the ata so um he said unsupervised home education should be a concern to all albertans a child's right to a quality education must not be sacrificed in the name of parental choice honestly it's hey don't swear don't swear no, on the show no. man this is, this is, this shilling, is a show. shilling is an appropriate name like <laughs> because like that that quote is chilling like in that man as a parent i have two young kids their livelihood is my responsibility them staying alive is mine and my wife's responsibility and you know this is very marxist in its understanding or 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 it's you know, ideology that's coming through in this quote where, you know, the, the children belong to the community first. And I, I I mean, from a biblical standpoint, that's just straight up heresy. You know, as a parent, 
you know, these are raising our children, teaching our children, the welfare of our children is, is our responsibility. And so, you know, I think as much as this quote didn't say parental rights, pretty much should have said in the, you know, instead of parental choice, I heard parental rights because is there a, is there a, an aspect or, or sorry, what's the, the steel man of this quote? Sure. Are there parents who would do make choices that cause harm to their kids in the long run? Okay, fine. Like, is that it happens? It happens. It happens. But are there teachers who make decisions who harm kids in the long run? Of course. Right. So, like, let's not pretend like one environment is going to be way more risky than the other. If anything, a children, a parent's motives are going to be the most pure of anyone's in terms of uh, percentage, right? Like. Man, having kids change like it's like the two things that sanctify or sanctifying me the most, getting married and then having kids. Because, you know, your 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 wants just go farther and farther to the back of the bus because, you know, you you just recognize like what your priorities are. So, um, I mean the, the other side of this is like, you know, at the end of the day, parents going to know where their kid what their kid needs better than a teacher. Like from a I know my kids inside and out. I see their tendencies. I know what they respond well to. I mean, you know, yes, some parents are better and worse at that. Like, of course, as some teachers are better and worse. Right. Okay. So, Joel, how, how does the Education Act work? So, so currently in Alberta, um, things are like, and this is where I think these quotes are just abysmal, absolutely abysmal, because they do, they're not, again, they're not objective, right? The current process... Um, Again, I got this document. I think it's the Charter School Handbook. It'll be in the show notes page, education.alberta.ca. I'm looking at, there's a flow chart for the establishment of a, a charter school. Um, so I don't know if this is what you were asking me, Darnell, but I think uh, this is definitely something that's useful to the listener uh, as I pull up this page. It's kind of a flow chart, but uh, oversimplify it. Um, you know, what happens is you, you work with a school board to establish a charter school. The problem is that the school board can basically over, you know, sort of demonstrate, well, we don't, you don't, we're not, you're not needed in this area. And there's no incentive for the skill school board to create a charter school because they're losing power. Right. Um, public dollars fighting well, for public dollars. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, the dollars, obviously that that's part of it, but also I have less students, which means I'm going to have less teachers, which means I have less influence, which means, you know, any government related entity, all your everything's judged on the size of your budget. And again, I know I'm oversimplifying with that statement, but come on, let's be real. It's a success report. No, but, but <laughs> it's realistically, <Joel. laughs> as, a, as a government entity, give me one entity that has great public metrics to say, oh, here's, here's demonstrating that we're doing better because we've spent less money and done more good. Yeah, so you guys know where to uh, contact us for your issue. <laughs> uh, but Joel, before we go into... So, sorry, there is one thing I missed out. So if the school board denies... Within 30 days, they can go to the minister and the minister or essentially has a review committee that reviews the application. This bill was wanting to go directly to the minister. As a principle of like how to do this, to me, that makes a lot of sense on the surface. Like cut out the bureaucracy, cut out the school board. They're not in general. Charter schools aren't responsible to the school board anyways. So why, is, why would a school board- Cut out the middleman. Well, but the school board is like, we talked about what is a charter school? It's about a, 
doing unique learning styles, teaching styles, approaches, philosophy, and pedagogies. That's again yeah. another link. Yeah. Ped pedagogies show. is a is a is a teaching uh, style. A teaching style theory of of teaching and educating kids principles and theories. Yeah. So it's yeah it's a, a sort of like Montessori. Montessori is a great example of a it's different a, pedagogy, a pedagogy yeah. as opposed to a different teaching style. Yeah, classical education it's a, it's is a, one as well. Another one. It's it's more than a teaching style. It's a it's a philosophy of teaching. Yeah. Well, can so, I can I, I wanted to share um the Kip. Oh, um, yeah, pedagogy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just before we, we kind of look at um, connecting from Alberta to Ontario, but first I wanted to like just highlight one of the top charter schools uh, in the U.S. So this is called KIPP, K-I-P-P. So it stands for the Knowledge is Power Program, commonly known as KIPP, is a network of free open enrollment college preparatory schools in low-income communities throughout the United States. KIPP is America's largest network of public charter schools. The head offices are in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and Washington. Now, it says here that more than 95% of KIPP students are African-American or Latino. More than 88% are eligible for the federally subsidized meal program. Students are accepted regardless of prior academic record, conduct, or socioeconomic background. 11% of students at KIPP public schools receive special education services and 17% are uh, designated as English language learners. So some of the principles that they work by is uh, high expectations, strength of character, highly effective teachers and leaders, safe, structured, and nurturing environments, and KIPP through college. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it, it obviously you're highlighting probably one of the best examples. Um, on previous shows, I've talked about, um, I know this is a private school, so I won't go down this road too long, but you know, low-cost private schools in developing countries are just blowing the public school out of the water. Right. And and what, what what's what's crazy about this, of course, right, is predominantly black mm -hmm. kids in underprivileged neighborhoods go to these types of schools and they're benefiting from them. But not to get into politics, because we, we do politics. economics. Economics, economics, <laughs> economics comes before politics. But the politics of how this thing lays out is that for these black kids who are getting a chance to get a free education, Democrats are usually not a fan of. And these are the programs that Republicans have traditionally been fighting for. Yeah. And this is where, you know, charter schools in the US, you're going to see, you know, Corey DeAngelis, again, I, I, if, if he didn't tweet so much, I could find the tweets when he does these <laughs> types of things. But like, and generally speaking, what's great about Corey, for anyone who likes sort of this topic, if you see something in the media and you think it's wrong, chances are he's blasting them. Right. So there was a, a little while ago, they were all talking about how school, when the defund the police stuff showed up, they were all saying, we've been defunding education for years. And he just blasted them showing like, no, no, education costs have been, you know, rising per spending per student has been rising. Anyways, I know total sidebar, but he's brought up um, something similar about a quote that was um, that charter schools, increasing school choice, sort of the idea of tax dollars following the student is mm -hmm. going to hurt uh, minorities, or it's going to hurt racialized students. And he demonstrated, well, if you look at the charter school's demographics, predominantly that's who's in there. Yeah, right? predominantly they're, black they're kids. They're going to have a disproportionately high number of black kids or 
minorities. Right. So they're benefiting from it. And they're getting, and charter schools do give better, you generally see better grades. Man, I, yo, I don't even want to, man, I don't want to, you know, get on a sidetrack. But see, man, this is why I believe Black Lives Matter. No, the ones in KIPP. <laughs> the ones in KIPP. Like, like these are the programs that are going to make a change in the long run. And it, it kills me that whether it's the politics or teachers unions or whatever the case may be, everybody's positioning and saying they're for black people. But if you're not for charter schools, then you're really not for black people. Yeah, you're, you're that's for the bottom your line. teachers union who's giving yeah, you, you really don't dollars, care. Yeah, you giving you, you donation you, dollars. As a teacher, you really don't care about black kids. And it pisses me off when people run around saying, oh, we care about black people and black lives, but nobody's supporting these schools. Nobody even knows what they are. It's just, yeah, to me, it's just nonsense. And I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, that doesn't mean that you don't have good teachers in, in public schools. It doesn't mean you, you know, some people have an amazing experience when they go through public school, but this is where, you know, we sort of talked about, and and there's this, I, I've sort of been, uh, I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I've said it more recently with a bunch of people. When you have a government program, it is designed for the average in general. That's the way that they, because it's designed for as many people as possible. But the problem is the more you, var- there's more, there's a variance from the average, and again, I know I'm getting into statistical approach, but the more that somebody varies from the average, the more the government program is going to fall fail for them because they don't fit the average that this program was designed for. Okay. Right. And actually, well, when we get into the Ontario report that we looked at, they're, they're going to give uh, arguments for and against why Ontario doesn't have charter schools. So before we, is there anything... I think I know. I know. I've hashed out most of what I got to say about the, the schools in general. I, I think you know the economic principle behind it. This is where you know Alberta would say that they there's some good quotes in in the articles that we'll share. Um, just that that this the, Alberta has created competition because they actually have a lot of, with the charter schools with the different stuff. They would argue we've created competition and competition is going to push the public school system to do better. Right, because of the accountability that comes with creating a charter school, if the charter school is failing, then there's reason to shut it down. So there's more incentive for them to do well, but also that it charter schools bring in parents that are engaged. So with the public school, because it's... Yeah, generally the board is is a collective where the parents are a huge yes, aspect yes, of how the yeah, school Yeah, yeah, so run. part of like part of going to KIPP, you can't, you know, it isn't just that you just send your KIPP your kid to Kip and then you just eat Doritos and watch Judge Judy. Like you're involved in the process. Like it's very crucial that the parents um, are signing a contract as well as the kids to be at school for 7 a.m. and to be doing the homework and to be doing the reading. Uh, And so now you're filtering, what the charter schools are doing is filtering out the bad parents, right? So now the kids are, you know, they have that boost to get to where they need to be. But if you have the public school model, and this is no shot against public, schools but you have parents who don't give a rip about their kids right you have parents who do care but then you have the parents who don't who don't care and then you have and the, just to then be you clear, have the school system but then don't you don't care about s- their kids education <laughs> like because uh, i mean to say yeah, okay, parents don't yeah. care about their kids at all i used to work i used to work uh toronto community, community housing for five years right in at-risk neighborhoods and you yeah saw there's, some, yeah, yeah. The, yeah there's yeah. parents who don't care but anyways but yeah but so but what what you end up having is that you know the parents who don't care you have those are the kids who are dropping off and you know god bless the the public school system and and the government for trying to reach those kids whose parents aren't helping and it, it kind of it, it, it leads to nothing because you still need the parent involved the parent must be part of the learning process 
But yeah, but look, let's get to that document. Let's get to um, that, that report. So this is from 2000, June 2000, assessing charter schools. Uh, this is actually where I stole the, stole the quote from early on. Um, it was, uh, so I'll just give you some, some rundown. I'll, again, be in the show notes page. The website is collections.ola.org. Uh, Larry Johnson is the research officer and it's uh, Ontario legislator legislative library legislative assembly of ontario um so basically the point is it's a pretty pretty official document um you know it again just to give you super high level pretty pretty deep dive um you know uh arguments for charter schools arguments against charter schools uh the interest in charter schooling how to assess charter school experience um and then charter schools in the u.s uh, and then in Canada, which basically is only Alberta. Right. And so the report support, it talks about supporters argue that charter schooling will save public education. Critics argue that charter schools will greatly diminish, if not ruin the public system. And so the paper concludes, just to summarize the whole <laughs> document, the paper concludes with speculation about the prospects for the growth of charter schools in Canada mainly in Ontario. So just real quick, arguments for charter schooling. Uh, so there are six basic arguments advanced on behalf of the charter schooling. So three that are largely about what charter schooling can offer parents and students. So it's innovative service delivery, parental control, serving special populations, and then the three about the benefits for the education system and society at large are competition, accountability, efficiency, all are tied to the effect of operating a school on the basis of revocable and renewable charter. Yeah. And so ch charter sort of being, let's call it the establishing document, sort of think of it like a constitution. Um, it's, a, it's a charter school. It sort of has a mandate and it has to follow somewhat like a charity has a, you know, can th they have to follow a very particular approach, right? That's why you mentioned charter school that is an ESL. Right, you're not going to see that school five years from now having no ESL students. No, it would have to be revoked and restarted as a and different. You, and you know what's fascinating? That one was in Alberta, and it was started by uh, Muslims. Now, it's not a Muslim school. Yeah, it's not a Muslim school, um, but people that it, come from that, that background, yes, there was yeah, within need. that community, there was a need. Um, yeah, so it was all hands on deck, and they did that. And even some cases, uh, some charter schools, you know, raise their own money in certain cases to fund whether it was buses or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, to me, the, the place where the accountability um, is because if the charter schools continue to outperform the public school, the public school ha has tangible evidence that we need to change something, right? Like my biggest argument or, or the biggest... I think the strongest argument sort of against government programs is there's a lack, you know, without profit, profit, when, when profit starts to go to zero in a business, in a private business, you start thinking, how do I got to do this differently? What do I got to do? Right. How do I, um, change my business because I can't, you know, or if you, you start losing money your your inventory is not selling, you start reallocating your resources to something else. You do things differently for a government program or a government school. You don't have that signal to say, oh, wait, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're no longer profitable. So this, 
system where the budget continues to shrink because the number of kids continue to shrink because they're going to the alternative um, is is a is a similar signal to say, hey, wait a second, we need to do something different. Um, and so that's where competition and accountability and efficiency. So the efficiency word, because generally speaking, the budget for a charter school is much smaller. Um, that's probably because they don't they don't have the curriculum, not that they can't use curriculum or, or leverage the curriculum, but they're not involved with the curriculum. They don't have as much administrative burden uh, that a large school board would have. And so generally speaking, the cost per student at a charter school is much lower uh, and so that's where the, the education system as a whole is efficient because now you need less money per student um, because your charter schools are pulling the cost down. Mm-hmm. Now, arguments against charter schooling is that there's no need for them. So related argument is that even if there are serious problems with the quality of the public education system, these can be better addressed by reforming the existing delivery of public education. So in Ontario, for example, a variety of policy initiatives have been designed to improve the quality of education from new curriculum to new report cards to increase funding and regulations focusing on classroom resources uh, to the creation of a college of teachers parental involvement so although it is it's not an argument to widely expressed it is also possible that parents while keenly interested in their children's education may not be best at evaluating which education practices are in their children's best interest parental involvement needs to be balanced with professional expertise and and i think i think it's a fair statement but i also think it's it doesn't give parents any sort of credit um, and what i mean by that is you know, take a kid who's playing basketball. When was the last time you coached kids basketball? I think it was like 10 years ago. Did you ever feel like, were you coaching super competitive stuff or not? Yeah, yeah, it was competitive. Did you find you ever almost got interviewed by parents before their kid joined your team? Oh, no, no, not. Like my point was like, as a, I know I was coaching rep hockey. There's an aspect where some parents want to know, okay, how's this coach going to teach my kid? What's their teaching style? What are, like so? My point is, there's an aspect where the, this is sort of like, yeah, yeah. Parents need us to help determine what's best for their kid. Okay, parents are resourceful, right? Like people are resourceful. I think there's just a bit of you know this. Again, I just feel like it's a you know the the argument isn't as much as there's some truth in that parents can't do this on their own. It's sort of diminishing the fact that the parents can leverage resources that are out there to help determine what's the best method to teach my kid, right? Maybe I go to a Montessori school for a year or two and realize, you know what? This isn't working. We got to go somewhere else, right? Like a parent's making a decision to change. Whereas I would say as much as I, you know, it says here, professional expertise, I don't, you know, I don't really, I don't recall when I was going through, you know, uh, elementary school, sort of seeing a lot of difference where, you know, kids got alternatives within their system other than being moved, you know, to a different school maybe. Um, and that's not an easy thing to occur. So uh, again, I think there's uh, some valid arguments here, right? Saying there's no need, um, you know, the I, I think my previous statement about lacking some of the signals to determine when, what, where the changes need to occur, um, you know, is something that, that, 
the the current model, um, you know, saying there's no need is, you know, to some extent saying, well, we have the capacity. And, and if we change the way the current capacity works, I think it's an oversimplification. Um, and, and it's just, it's, again, I probably brought this up on the show before. It's arguing based on intention. Um, oh, well, we can, you know, we can make changes. We can do things to make the system better. But just because you intended to make the system better, you know, great example of that is standardized testing. You know, there's a lot of debate about whether that's good at all. And that's something that they brought in with the intention of improving education. Because now you just teach the test. And and so it actually ends up sometimes taking away from the education. So my point is not to say that there aren't arguments against charter schools that are strong. Um, it's that to some extent, I think these arguments aren't the best arguments. They're, they're a little bit soft because they're not, uh, I think, representing the entire scenario well enough. Again, as I said, I think some of these are based on intention. So, oh, well, we can do this or we can try to do this. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're able to. Yeah. And and I guess, well, the next argument is about selectivity and compares, comparing the U.S. model to the Canadian model. So in the U.S., where the politics of race is more explicit and always present on the public agenda, the concern is that charter schools might become a means of resegregating education. Similar doubts are raised about schools that serve special populations. So now these concerns about the makeup of student populations in charter schools are also likely to worry about the resulting effects of the diversity within public schools and the ideology versus the context. So like for Canadians, uh, Canada and the United States provide an interesting contrast on the role of ideology versus context with respect to charter schooling and how we look at it. Yeah, I think, you know, this one is an interesting one for me because as much as like, I think, okay, yeah, is it possible that like, you know, the KKK could set up a charter school and teach their kids stupidness, yeah. <laughs> like become a problem? Like, is it a, is it a valid statement? Sure. Probability. I don't know. Right. Like I, I'm not confident or, or I'm not sure how, how much of a concern this statement is, right? Like, because technically the same thing can happen based on where people live with the current system. Like if I really wanted to try, I could, you know, we as a collective could all try to keep moving to the same neighborhood so that we create this same sort of segregation. So like my understanding of this was that people would do this intentionally, right? And and to some extent, well, the charter can charter school can be revoked, right? So I feel like there's a lot of controls in place to prevent any sort of resegregation. And the stuff that you've laid out that we with regards to the KIP, the stuff that I talked about with with Corey DeAngelis talking about, you know, there's greater amount of minorities in charter schools, not to dismiss this argument, but I, I personally, I just don't see how, how this functionally comes to fruition because you can basically revoke the school. If, you, if, if somehow, let's say it became an all white kid school or an all Muslim school and, you know, not, in, you know, the ESL example you gave, right. If it wasn't inclusive of other English as a second language students, then, you know, what then? Yeah. I don't know. Again, I just, I find it peculiar. Yeah. It's funny because now like ideal Ideologically, uh, charter schooling is appealing to the libertarian strain within North American conservative conservatism. 
so because it removes the delivery of public education from the government bureaucracy or agencies, so that's the education departments or ministries, school uh, districts or boards, etc. So it appeals to fiscal conservatives to the extent that it f- it offers a cheaper model of public education and to uh, the social conservatives to the degree that it offers the ability to implement practices, whether curricular, disciplinary, or other. So following outside the contemporary liberal consensus. And so like educators usually uh, measure as more liberal than the general population. So like, for example, like in Canada, by contrast, the most vocal advocates for charter schooling are social and fiscal conservatives and the conservative in the circumstance that Canada's only charter schools have been introduced under the Klein government in Alberta only solidifies the perception of charter schooling as a conservative cause. So in short, in Canada, charter schooling is more likely to be judged on ideological grounds, often in the absence of any direct experience of charter schooling. The debate usually pits advocates against basically puts them against foes in the United States. So in the United States, charter schooling is more likely to be evaluated in light of experience with respect to education delivery. Regardless of ideology, here the argument is more likely to be about what kind of charter schools are optimal and what legislation is likely to allow them to flourish. Yeah, I think... um you know the the libertarian comment i think is is probably fair um but the conservative side of it i don't you know is you know whether i don't know i i my point is that i think there's lots of uh there's libertarian left libertarian right um you know the the libertarians are pretty wide spectrum um and so the reason i bring that up is to say yeah there's there's a resonation with physical conservatives or physical conservatism um and and so in that sense like you know for for conservatives there's generally a incentive to how do we do this more costly or cost effectively um and and charter schools generally speaking achieve that as well as um you know challenge the narrative of of the current paradigm of the way that we do schooling and this is where um i i think you know, there's there's definitely an ideological divide that that's somewhat to me like the last part that you talked about, right? Like, if if the question becomes, you know, what, like, how do we implement, like, what school system is optimal, right? How do we result in the, you know, I'll use some simple flam, you know, big terms of how do we result in the greatest human flourishing or the greatest amount of human welfare? with regards to education, right? Is that, if anyone says they're not for that goal, I I would say, okay, well, they're just lying. Everybody's for that goal. The problem is the, let's say the, the liberal perspective is, well, we're already getting that through public schooling. Stop messing it up. But there's no sort of willingness to evaluate, are you right? Um, and so that's what, you know, I would say, you know, frustrates me about this conversation. It's like, well, you say you're for this, but you're unwilling to engage the topic. You're unwilling to say, okay, let's pilot this, right? Um, you know, even the 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 beginning or the conclusion of the document uh, that we were talking about, the uh, the OLA uh, document, it said, 
the first line of a conclusion. The charter school experiment in the North America is still in early days, particularly in Canada. And so, you know, the what I see is like, okay, look at Alberta. What? what there's, it doesn't seem like there's any objective measures to say, hey, this is working. Let's try a little bit more. Let's try a little bit more, right? How do we find the balance between, let's call it, schools that operate independently, meaning they're not part of the school, like a, a larger board and curriculum, versus maybe it makes sense for 50% of schools to have, be under a, a larger body and operate with school boards, but 50% of schools are more independent, right? Well, who's to say? And and my point is that there's no there's the the liberal sort of uh, union predicament where you know there's the union does has no interest in that because it's countering their their ability right they they operate in school boards right like i don't know about the us but in canada if you leave a school board you essentially restart your union seniority right so you essentially have you know this so much power for the union and the school boards working with government and the kids are outside of the paradigm. Mm -hmm. for the so, most so you were saying something about um, the union. Does it have the incentive to be for the charter school? No, because they 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 are going to have less employees because the 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 school itself is sort of operating independently. Yeah, yeah. Now, and so, but those teachers wouldn't be part of the union if they work at a charter school. I mean, you could technically you could probably set it up either way, but in but, general, but general I would no, say probably but yeah, not. it's probably not. Yes. Um, and so the union is not going to be for it because it's taking away their control and power. And so even if it's what's best for the students, the union is never going to side with this. And so you just have this political dilemma where what is the objective? Is the objective truly about kids and education? No, for the most part, it's not. And this is where you have stupid grandstanding. You have that you know clip that we're talking about where I would say those quotes are just pure politics. They are not at all about the truth, not about being objective. Not on about this the issue. kids, man. Exactly. Not about the kids. So, I mean, it's, you know, as a parent with my kids going into school, man, I, you know, straight up, I'm trying to figure out how do I work my full-time job and homeschool at the same time? I don't even know if that's possible. Yeah. So, okay. What, what, what's your two cents? What do you want to leave the audience with? I think, um, you know, for the audience, for the six centers. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about the education system is, you know, what needs to change. Um, but I think hopefully something like charter schools that are obviously in the U S are getting a whole bunch of play right now with what's going on. Um, it, it lets, it causes you to think, maybe we need to think outside the box a little bit. Why do we, why do we continue to do the same thing we've been doing? You know, for the most part, costs have been going up and, and in all aspects, education hasn't been improving, right? Like we're, we're relatively stagnant. You know, the if anything, you know, math scores are going down in Canada. I mean, we did an episode way back when now when we were talking about, you know, th the things in yeah, this. Yeah, actually, C.D. Howe has an article on um, our math dropping. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no. And and so, um, you know, we're we need to start thinking differently about education. You know, technology, COVID is definitely giving us a catalyst to go, hey, wait a second. You know, I think I, I've been saying, I think the uh, government, or sorry, I've been saying I was expecting an, uh, an Uberization of education, meaning that technology would sort of break the government cartel or monopoly on education for, for the middle class and, and slash paying through taxation. Um, but I, I, I don't know what, with what's going on right now. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in September? Um, you know, and, and I would say, you know, as parents, if, uh, 
if you're if your kids aren't able to go to school in September because the government shuts it down again, there's one more reason to to consider a program like implementing school uh, charter schools. And and something we didn't talk about, uh, but but is on that realm would be this idea of micro schooling, where you've got sort of a small number of students with a small a small with one teacher maybe, um, and so you know it's a little bit more personalized schooling um, that again in the environment that we're in. You know, that may be the only way forward if if the world's not allowed to operate with the way COVID's taking over the world. So what about you, Darnell? What do you want to leave the, the listener with? What do you want to what do you want to impart on them as a future teacher? <laughs> uh, well, I think well for the parents, right? Because they're the kids their kids who are going to school. So as parents, you know, God has blessed you with the duty to pick to pick the school. Right and to pick the right pedagogy for your child, we see in uh, third uh, uh, third John a chap uh, verse four, and it says, "I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth." And so this puts the parent back in control. That especially if you know you're a parent who's walking with the Lord and you love your child and you want them to do well relatively well in all areas of life um you know what's best for them and and you need and you you should still feel confident in being able to pick school choice pick where your kids would best thrive uh, when we look at the life of Jesus Christ and his development from a little boy to a man uh, Jesus Christ the god man still had to grow in wisdom and was educated in the theological school he, he wasn't educated in the theological school of the elite and we see that John 7 verse 15 and it says the Jews therefore marveled saying how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied so the bible teaches that the, that there is a sphere sovereignty for the family over the state as the child's first educator. As a parent, nobody wants what's best for your child more than you do. So take heart and ask questions and pursue the best possible education for your child. Look, man, I don't want Six Sense Makes Change to be a, a just a dope tagline. I want it to be a movement. I want to actually make change for the kids. So let's get charter schools in Ontario. Boom. No big deal. No, seriously, I, I I love this topic. I think, you know, more than anything, the responsibility of educating your child, the more parents take that as a responsibility. Yes, it's a responsibility that you might be paying or having someone else do for you, but it's still your responsibility. And hopefully that this conversation sort of um, sparks parents in that regard, because then you'll start to consider bringing charter schools in Ontario when it's your responsibility and you influence whether or not or what the what the scenario is even though it's done through the government. Yeah. Well, let, let's get let's keep the conversation going. You can contact us at support at gmail.com, Facebook, and support, uh, and also on Twitter. And, and yeah, please, yeah, let's let, let us know what you guys think about this. Is is this your first time hearing about charter schools? How do you feel about it? If you have questions, you know what if what what confuses you about it what you like about it maybe we can do a follow-up episode if there's if there's more digging into to how this works if, if need be so let us know yeah remember six cents actually makes change but you heard me does that make sense